welcome to another episode of the Extraordinary Moms Podcast. I'm Jessica Dahlquist, your host, and every Tuesday I interview a different mom who shares their motherhood journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. If I've learned anything from interviewing such a wide range of moms, it's that no two extraordinary moms look the same. We all have a story to tell, and we are all mothering in our own way. So let's celebrate that and learn from one another. Thanks for listening, and if you like what you hear, please share this show with a friend. Good morning and happy Friday. Welcome to episode 215 of the podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you this book club episode today. Sometimes with book club episodes, I bring on a friend to chat about a book that we have read together and we discuss our feelings on it. But what I love more than anything is being able to talk with authors who put their blood, sweat, and tears and story down on paper for all of us to learn from, to benefit from. And today I'm doing that with one of my past guests, past podcast guests, Jamie Ivey. She's also the host of one of my favorite podcasts, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. And she recently released her very first book, If You Only Knew, talking about her life story and about the things that brought her shame and kept her secrets in secrecy until she realized the power and the redemption that comes from God alone and that when we share our stories, it's not nearly as scary as what she was conjuring up in her mind. And she wants to give other people the permission to do the same. And so today we're going to chat about writing that book, sharing those stories, and what she's learned since communicating with other women about their If You Only Knew moments. So I'm really excited to be chatting today with Jamie Ivey. All right. I'm so excited. Welcome back to the show, Jamie Ivey. Hey, Jamie. Hi. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, I am too because this book love it. There was a lot of buildup. I had a lot of expectations because I love you. I love your happy hour show. It fu- it fulfilled every one of those expectations, Jamie. Love it so you much. You know, I'm glad to hear that because I think happy hour listeners, like, they there is expectation. There is. And so for some people I've heard, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that you loved Jesus this much. And that <laughs> sounds crazy. Um, but there was a lot of Jesus in the book. There you know? was, yeah. And not that there's not on the happy hour. But do you know what I mean when I, I say do. that? That it, they were kind of like, oh, this was kind of a, a great surprise. Well, the thing is about the happy hour is, yes, it is a faith-based podcast. Yes, that is the ultimate direction you want to point people back to. But I think shows like yours, shows like mine, it's more about the way that our stories come out and the way we live our lives is a reflection of our faith more than just preaching exactly what that means behind the scenes. You know what I mean? Totally. Yes. yes. Yeah. And so so then with my mm -hmm. book, I had a better opportunity to just really lay out how I feel and about faith and Jesus changes the world and everything in it. And so it's it's been a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. I'm just so proud of you and just so glad for this. The cover is, I mean, it's a beautiful book. It's well written and everyone should pick it up. So it's called If You Only Knew. Can you tell us how you came up with that title? Yeah. You know, If You Only Knew is a feeling that I felt for a long time in my life. Mm. I felt if people knew things about me, if they knew parts of my story, if they knew some of my struggles now, what would they think about me? And I just had this long list of what I thought they would think about me. Obviously, you know, we, we come up with all these lies that we believe that if we are vulnerable and if we open up and if we're our true authentic self, then people are going to think fill in the blank, whatever Mm -hmm. that might be for you. Um, and I, I lived that way for a long time. And so that's kind of, the book is about that sharing my story and about how God helped me um, kind of own my story and see that he can get glory through the mess. And that is where If You Only Knew came from. 
I love that. I think it is the perfect title. And and since hearing that title, I found myself saying, well, if they only knew like how messy my house actually was, or if they only right. knew. And I realized how much I that thought actually does occur to me on a day-to-day basis, right? And so there's two parts to that. It is thinking what other people might think of us and feeling too scared of whatever that reaction might be. And then there's also, well, even if they did think that, releasing that and realizing that doesn't have to have a hold over you or the shame that you you know hold too cl- close to your chest because you're unwilling to just say well this is how it is is that yeah you kind of feel it's that so dichotomy cor- it's so correct and I think that the only way that you can kind of th- say well if that's how they feel that's fine it doesn't bother me uh-huh. is that that you can't base your what you feel based on what someone anyone thinks about you except for the Lord and mm-hmm. so I think coming to that part in your life where you go, you know what, it it actually doesn't matter, not because I'm just like some tough woman, I'm going to let it just roll off my sleeve, but it doesn't matter because whatever they think my identity is, whatever I think my identity is, actually none of those are truth. And so mm-hmm. I think when we start to believe what the truth is about us, which would be what God says about us, and that can sound so churchy and so Sunday schoolish and all of those things, but at the end of the day, it's actually the truth that we can build our world on and our identity on. And so I think for me, it wasn't that I came to a point where I was like, well, I actually don't care what they think because Mm. I'm human and I'm sinful and golly, I still struggle with what people think about me. But I had to believe, okay, God, I'm going to actually believe what you say about me to be true. No matter what I feel, no matter what someone else says about me, I'm going to believe what you say about me to be true. And that's actually, Jessica, when my life started to do a little switch. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I still have to remind myself that all the time. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I was like, I don't want people to think that like, oh, I figured it out and then I'm good. Right. Was there ever a time though that you felt like even, even God was not okay with this? You you couldn't even come back from, from that. Even if regardless of the earthly people that you were afraid of their reactions, were you afraid of God's reaction? Oh, a hundred percent. And I, you know, when I first started following Jesus, that's when it was the hardest for me. Oh, um, yeah. And I still fight that now, you know, but I have I have a little bit more tools in my tool shed to be able to fight that now. Um, just age and maturity, time walking with the Lord, knowing the word more. Um, but early on, I really, really, really thought that God looked at me the way I looked at myself. Um, and I felt just I felt that 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 he could. I mm. felt that he had every right to do that. Um but but I didn't understand. I didn't fully understand the way that God treats His children um, at that time because that was my understanding is that we were, I was getting what I deserved, mm. um, you know. And it's I mean we're humans, so and so sad. we have this mentality: of, you hurt me, I'll hurt you, or you hurt me, that's how I think about you, or you do wrong, then you are always wronged. Um, and God just does not work that way. And you just feel so stuck with that mentality, stuck. absolutely yes. stuck. Like how can you ever overcome? your worst day, or even, you know, the small things that happen day to day. I mean, you just feel so stuck and there's so much freedom in what you're sharing and in your story. Ugh. Did you always want to write a book? You know, I, I have always wanted to write a book, but I don't think I really understood what that meant. And right. that sounds dumb. But what I mean by that is I've always wanted to share my story. Yeah. And so I have always loved the way that God has worked in my life. Um, I have seen over the years him really – kind of helped me overcome this shame that I was dealing with and helped me overcome my kind of identity crisis of, you know, believing that what I felt about myself was more true than what he felt about me. And so I've loved God working in my life and I've wanted to share it. And so a book just seemed like the most realistic way to share that story. 
And so for years, I mean, I would say at least 10 years, I've thought, oh, it would be really cool to write a book one day. Um, but in the past couple of years, it's definitely been on my radar, but I haven't been, I wasn't pursuing it because I have a podcast Mm -hmm. and I had started speaking. And so it just, it wasn't anything I was like striving for, you know, I should Mm -hmm, say. And mm -hmm. then things just started to fall into place about three years ago. And it just started to look more like this is a good time. Well, and that's what I love about this. You know, there's a lot of young moms listening with toddlers and you talk a lot about how you have been there and there's light Mm -hmm. at the end of the tunnel where you can, you know, be, you know, active with your kids and their social life, you know, things like that. And it's such a fun thing to raise big kids. Um, But there's a lot of moms that feel like, gosh, will I ever have time to write that book? Will I ever get to pursue such and such? And it feels like those toddler years do last forever and there's not that season ahead. But there's so many years left. I mean, we're still young young people and there's so many years to get to pursue those dreams. Wouldn't you agree? So many years. I mean, I'm turning 40 in a couple of months mm-hmm. and I am so excited about 40. There's Love nothing it. daunting about it to me. Um, and I look back on, you know, I spent many years, you know, with toddlers running around me and little kids and preschool and all of those things. And, um, all of those years are worth it. They are worth the investment. They are worth the time and the hours. Obviously, it's your children. And, you know, we live in a country where it's people are super, super, um, I don't want to use the word blessed. That's overused. It's not the norm in the world to have a parent who can stay home mm-hmm. because you choose to. A lot of women around the world have to work because they have to feed their children. And so if you are able to stay home, it is a huge privilege that you have um, that you can even get to do that. Because there are a lot of women who are running ragged with preschoolers and also working nine to five. Yep, and yep. they're like, oh my gosh, I don't know how I can do this anymore. But that side hustle where you think, I have a dream. I think I have a passion. I want to do this. My encouragement for you is this, is there are times in the in-between moments. Mm-hmm. Um, your hustle is not going to look like mine because my kids all got on a bus at 7.30 this morning and the first one gets off at 3.30. Mm-hmm. So my time <laughs> looks way different than the mamas with the kids, you know, that you're feeding 78 times a day and trying to get them to nap and all of those things. I get it. But in the in-between moments, plenty of women find time to do just a small little thing, little thing, and it's going to look different. And then there is going to be a season mamas, there is going to be a season when either your kids go to school or if you're a homeschool mom, when they're more independent. And so it is, it's so seasonal, but I would say you don't have to push it all the way down. Mm. You just can't compare your journey to mine because we're in different seasons. Totally. Yes. I could not agree more. And don't underestimate those little doses of time that you have, those little pockets, because those can really add up. You can build a business on that. You can, you know, indulge in a hobby in those moments, you know, whatever it is um, that really just starts to fill that, that well for you. Um, it can just add up so cumulatively, even oh, if it seems like plenty. not very much. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I know plenty of women who built a business on their couch, sure. you know, watching TV after eight o'clock at night when the yeah. kids are in bed. So, yeah, I know you do. I know you do. You were so, so vulnerable in this book and you've talked a lot about how you've worked through all of this. So it's easy, easier to talk about all these things now because it's been in your past for a while and you've worked through all these things. And some things that you do mention are more recent. Do you think you could have written this book in the same way five years ago, 10 years ago, when you were not as far distant from the events themselves um, and you hadn't had as much time to process them? Absolutely not. No Mm. way at all. You know, a lot of the story that I tell in the book was, you know, 20 years ago almost. And so I have worked through that so much. 
but a lot of the healing in my life has come in the past 10 years. Mm. And so, you know, I've been walking with the Lord since I was 21. And even in the past 10 years, so much has happened, um, in my journey with him. And like I've said, believing and trusting him more about these things. And so, you know, even when you ask, have you always wanted to write a book? I did want to write a book, you know, 15 years ago, all these years ago, but it would have been a very incomplete story. Not that my story is complete by any means, but this part of me really believing God about who he says he is for me, um, would have been, I don't think I would have understood the graph. I wouldn't have had I wouldn't have truly believed what I was writing at that point, And that would have been a terrible book to write. Mm. Isn't that so interesting that we can want to write a book, we can want to do these things, but we underestimate the power of waiting and the pro- mm. power of perspective and more life experience and more understanding to write a much different book a little yeah, bit later. And you know, even with having my podcast for these years, I, mm-hmm. I, I would say that I'm a pretty vulnerable person on the show. Yeah. Um, now, there are some things in the book that have never – you know, been shared publicly before. And so that was hard for me. Uh, but I think I have, I have seen through my show what this authentic conversation, what it does for women. And so it was very empowering for me and very encouraging where it wasn't for me, it wasn't like, I'm just going to write my story down for the sake of it. I mean, that's awesome. If you are, you know, a president of the United States of America or someone who does something really (laughs) amazing in the world. But I just, my story in itself is not anything. It's not anything different. It's not anything crazy. It's not the craziest thing you've ever heard in your entire life by any means. Um, and so, but I have learned through my podcast is that these authentic conversations, they are so helpful for women. Mm. They are so helpful for women to hear someone and then all of a sudden not feel alone. So although when you read my story, it's not going to be the craziest thing you've ever read, but I do pray and hope. And what I have heard is that people go, I feel this way, or Mm -hmm. I have felt this way. And finally someone's putting into words how I felt. And so that is what I'm grateful for that I could write it now after having this show for four years where I've seen the benefit of women just authentically sharing their lives. Hmm. And you've been really been talking to a lot of women about their, if you only knew stories, Mm -hmm. what have you been learning as people have been, you went first and then people are now sharing with you. Is there like kind of a common thread or anything surprising that you've taken away from those conversations? You know, I don't know that anything would be surprising this far into the journey with me. Um, of talking with women, but I would say there are so many similarities. Mm -hmm. First of all, a lot of times we feel as though no one else will understand our pain. No Mm -hmm. one. Um, And that's a lie. It's a lie that keeps us trapped. It keeps us silent. Um, We believe the lie also that like, like I did for so long is that people will think less of us. And granted, let me tell you that does happen. That will happen. That has happened. But I'm also hearing these women share stories about that they didn't feel that way from the people that they shared with, that they felt safe, that they felt comfortable with the people they were talking to. And so there's a lot of similarities that I think what I've heard, especially from people who are listening to that mini series that I've done, the, mm-hmm. if you only knew mini series is that they have heard, um, women's stories and all of a sudden they felt like what we just said, like all of a sudden they don't feel so alone. Mm. Um, and it may not be the specific struggle, you know, of body image or anorexia or shopping or bankruptcy or whatever it might be, but they can find themselves somewhere in that. And on the flip side of that, I don't think it's 
good just to be authentic and vulnerable for the sake of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I think that's a pretty scary place for us to be. But I think that when we take that authenticity and vulnerability to a place of pointing people to Jesus, I think that's a really fabulous place. And so they're also getting to see these conversations where we don't just share our junk just for the sake of sharing our junk, because (laughs) there's a lot of places that can happen, but there's, there's no, there's no, there's no end to it. You know, it's just like, here I am. But in the end, when we get to say, but look what God's doing or look what this has happened in my life. I think that's when growth is happening and women are really, really um, connecting with those stories. Mm, I could not agree more. And I really think that for someone like you that is just beloved to her followers, her listeners, and now her readers, people think, well, you know, what could Jamie have really struggled with in her life? Look at the life she has now. And there's probably people who were promiscuous early on thinking, I could never get a man where his first kiss was me. (laughs) And I could, and you know, I've struggled with pornography and so I can never, or my husband has, and there's no way we can ever clean that up and have like a healthy, happy, thriving marriage. And so I think there's certain things we jump to when we think of a sin or a struggle or whatever. And then we kind of put a limit on what that can mean. Even if we try and prove a little bit or, you know, repent or whatever it is, there's still a limit on how happy or how cleaned up that can look. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And, and so I, for you, you're just a great example of there. It, the sky is the limit. God is the limit to what he's able to bless you with and what he's able to redeem no matter what you've walked through. Yeah. And I think that's so true. A lot of times people are look and say, well, you know, I just don't understand. You're not going to understand what I've been through or you, you surely hadn't have been through this. And you know, I've, like I said, my story is not that crazy, mm-hmm. but I, sexual sin is something that can be really shaming and damaging, um, to women in particular. And so when I get to share my story, um, and then on the flip side, get to share not how awesome I am or how awesome my husband is, but look how awesome God is that, yes. that in spite of, um, my choices, in spite of my past, in spite of all those things that I can still tr- not, not that he brought me an amazing husband. That is amazing. And, mm-hmm. and that is so kind of God, but that in spite of all that, in spite of all my choices, that he still looks at me and sees me as a precious daughter. Like that's where the story is. That's what's amazing. And that's what women want. We do want an amazing husband. Let's, you know, that's not that we don't want that, but at the end of the day, our soul longs to be loved by our father in heaven. Um, and so, that's the story. And so just fill in the blank, whatever your thing is, I hope that my story shows that no matter what it is, no matter what the sin is, the struggle is, um, that we serve a very kind and faithful, loving God who seeks after his children and he wants them to be, um, to be whole and to be pure and to know their worth and identity in him. Oh, that is such a good word. That is such a good word, regardless of what you have walked through. Right. Do you think shame looks differently for women of faith? Um, I love Brene Brown. Have you read her stuff? I've read a little bit. Yes, she, not of her newest. Yeah, it, um, she's, yeah, she's so powerful, but she doesn't come from it from necessarily a faith perspective, but I believe mm-hmm. wholeheartedly in everything she says about the shame and lifting that veil and, you know, fearing, you know, people's opinions is often way harder than the actual effects of, of telling a story and the reactions there and things. But for a woman of faith and we're kind of held to a different standard by society, by God even. Um, How does shame look different in that? And is there a different process to kind of trying to overcome that hurdle in a way that's kind of different than the rest of the world? 
You know, unfortunately, I think that we've created a place where it is. Okay. Um, And I think that has just come from years and years of trying or I'm going to, I'm going to say the church and I mean like the, the local church, not like God's people. But I think for a long time there has been, um, in some cases, I'm I'm not going to blanket the entire, you know, every church, but there have been some cases where it has been very, very works-based. Um, and that's just not the gospel by any means. And so growing, if you've grown up in that and it's workspace, don't do this, do this in your good, don't do this in your bad. Um, and there is this lacking of grace or lacking of even understanding why we want to serve God, why we want a pure heart, not just don't have sex because it's bad and God says so, mm-hmm. but understanding the why, understanding why God asked that of us, understanding the purity of not just our body, but of our heart and our mind. And so, um, and that's hard. I mean, I'm in the throes of trying to teach this to my children. And let me tell you, it's difficult because it's much easier to just say, guys, don't have sex. Okay. Mm-hmm, that's the deal. Mm-hmm. Just don't. <laughs> um, but I used to be 16 and I know that that doesn't just, that doesn't satisfy the desires that you have when you're 16. And so, you know, I think that growing up in the church, it was a little bit harder for me because when I started following Jesus and I started coming back and being in the church, I felt, and and this was, I put this on myself. I don't believe that anyone did this to me. I don't, I don't think so. I hope not. I felt as though all of a sudden everyone knew everything about me and they were judging me and they were wondering how I thought I could be in church. Hmm. Um, and I think that was just the enemy trying to keep me believing lies about myself. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really, really, I think it's important for our churches, um, to let it be known that churches, um, are full of messed up people getting changed every day to be more like Jesus by him. Um, and there are no perfect people in church. There are no people who don't struggle. There are no sinless people. And so I think the more that we can tell people that, that, you know, when I say to people, I am jacked up, like I mess up every day. I repent every day. I need Jesus every day. I don't want anyone to ever look at Jamie Ivy and think she has it going on. Like mm. she doesn't need God anymore because that's a false reality that we're presenting. And so I think then someone coming into the church can maybe feel as though everyone around them has all their stuff together. Um, and again, it's not about just like airing our dirty laundry for the sake of airing our dirty laundry, but it is about saying, Hey, this is where I'm struggling and God is coming in and he is changing my heart. And it may take me a year. It may take me 20 years, but I'm going to keep fighting this fight. Um, and so I think it might be harder to answer your question. I think some of that depends on what, what part of the country you grew up in, what kind of church you grew up in, uh, what kind of church you walk into. And so it's hard to say. Um, but I just want to super encourage, um, people, to be willing that when someone shares their story, when someone shares their junk, to look at them the way that Jesus looks at them. And Jesus offers something to them. Jesus mm-hmm. offers redemption. He offers salvation. And, and and we can't offer that to them, but we can point them to the one that can. Mm. That is so powerful. That I could not agree more with that. So as I was reading, and there's other people involved in your story. There was the guys you've dated. There's your husband. There's your parents. And was there any part of you that was kind of reluctant to share the story knowing that you were also contributing to sharing their story? Not really, because I mean, Aaron knows the story. He's Mm -hmm. lived it. There's nothing that I could say that would, you know, that he would 
think was weird or anything. You mm-hmm. know, we walked through this, you know, and talking about my, my parents, I didn't say anything bad about them. My no. parents, I had, I had amazing parents, um, who did the best that they knew how to in raising a crazy kid like me. Um, and so I, I don't think that they're, I didn't say anything bad about anyone. I didn't, you know, I'm, I don't even name anybody, any boyfriend. That's weird. Sure. Whatever. Who, yeah. No one would care. <laughs> Who cares? Right, and right. That would take away from the story. Like it doesn't even matter. Um, you know, but it wasn't, and I wanted it to be, I, I love sharing Aaron and I's story, um, because it's, it's a fun love story, I think, you it know, is. and just the kindness, um, to God, for, to me, to, to bring me someone so amazing as my husband. Um, and I think he would say the same thing about me, you know, like we love each other a lot and we're so thankful for each other. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel conflicted about that. I mean, there are a thousand other stories that I could tell, right. um, that I just can't and won't because it does affect other people, you know? Sure. And so that's, I feel like that takes away from the message a little bit. So I kind of steered away from some stories that I think would have been a little bit harder to tell. Yeah. And I love that answer because to a reader or to somebody that might want to write something, they feel like, well, I could never write this because they would think this, or I can't share that part of stuff. So as vulnerable as you are in this book and as as open as you are, there's still parts that are sensitive and are private and people don't know every little thing that goes on, even though they probably assume that they do. Um, So that's really good to know. Yeah. I mean, and you you know, you got to think as a writer, is is this going to add to the story or take away from the story? I mean, there was a a paragraph um, that I don't even think it was a paragraph. I think it was like three sentences that up until the last edit, I would, I was losing sleep over. I was like, I just don't know if this should stay in. Um, and I pulled it, um, because I felt like it took away from the book, Hmm. three sentences. I mean, Hmm, literally I was losing sleep over three sentences and it took away from the book and I pulled it and I'm so happy that I did. I'm so happy that I did. I still stand on, you know, what it was and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just, it wasn't the right book. It wasn't the right time, all of those things. And so I pulled it. So I think you have to think about that as a writer is, is this going to add to what you want people to walk away with this? Or is it going to take away? And you know, there is a whole other ways that God has moved mightily in my family and in my life and in some other particular people in my family. And I think that story will get told one day. Mm. It just wasn't for this book. It wasn't right now. And it, there needs to be some growth in some areas. So you don't have to put everything in, you know, and it may look like you're right to the reader that I just laid everything on the table. Um, I laid on the table what I wanted to lay on the table, you know, and it is a lot and it's very vulnerable, but you don't, you don't have to put it all out there if it takes away from the message. Totally. Well, I always think it's so funny on your podcast when you say, you know, people come up to you and you say like, oh, you might think this is creepy, but like, how's your dog? And like, I know so much about you. You're like, well, I'm putting it out there. Like, remember, yep. I'm the one choosing what to air. And there are mm-hmm. things you don't know. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And you know, the internet's a weird place. It is. And Super I weird. love it because <laughs> my great. job's there, yeah. you know. Uh-huh. Um, but it is a crazy weird place. And I'm a huge fan of Instagram. I love it. I think it could be used for so much good. Um, but you do have to remember that when you're watching those stories of people, um, they're just sharing with you what they want to share with you, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so there are so many things that I process with my girlfriends that will never see the light of day on Instagram story, you know? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean I'm not being a vulnerable, authentic person. It just means I'm working that out with the people in my life, which is right. what we should be doing, <laughs> right. you know? Totally, totally. What was the hardest part of writing this book for you, Jamie? Um, the hardest part 
there were a handful of hard things for me. Number one, just writing a book was difficult for me. I've never written a book before. Mm-hmm. Um, I do most of my work with my voice and not with typing on a computer. And so that was hard in itself, just the discipline of writing and, um, writing's not my favorite. It's not like my least favorite. I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just, it's new for me, you know? And so it was, it was hard work. There's, you know, I'll say that, um, going back, even though a lot of the things I don't live in shame about anymore, I, I don't have a hard time talking about, those first couple of chapters by any means. Um, but it was a little difficult to go back there emotionally, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of feel that, to kind of figure out how do I bring the reader into this where they can feel my emotion at the same time. And yet I need to feel it right now. And I don't like feeling this cause I already no. dealt with this and, Oh, I'm feeling it again. Why am I feeling guilty? Why do I feel shame right now? I don't feel shame. I'm writing about not feeling shame. And so it was just a roller coaster of emotions for sure. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you mentioned that I write about some more vulnerable things recently. That was a really hard thing for me to write about Uh, way harder than things that happened, you know, 20 years ago. And so, um, I, I, I didn't lose sleep over that, but I did, you know, it was like, there's a conversation we just had and, you know, I don't want to keep it vague. You can read the book and find out, but I write about, um, pornography. And so it was a thing where I thought if I put this in there, is it going to take away from the story? Hmm. Are people going to leave this chapter and that's all they remember? And so I hope not. Hmm. Um, But so that was a struggle as well as how much, how little I really want women to not feel alone. I want them to see, I don't want to produce a book that just tells about my struggles for 20 years ago. And and then it makes it look like I have no struggles today. So that was, that was important for me because I never want to stand on the forgiveness that, of sins from 20 years ago and let's say that's all God's ever done in my world. Um, and so, but that was hard. It was very, sure. that was the most vulnerable thing I've ever done. Well, and I think it did add so, so much because yeah, people would think like, yeah, Jamie overcame what happened 20 years ago and then it's been smooth sailing like that because God loves her and she loves mm-hmm. God and everything's great now. And so when other people are relapsing or having different variations of struggles later on, they think they're not the norm. And that is absolutely not true. And so by adding that in, it just added to the story. Absolutely. It totally worked. And what was, what was the best part? What was the best part for you? Um, the best part of writing the book, I mean, you know, I said, I've, I've wanted to do this for a long time. So it just kind of felt almost like a dream, like, Oh my gosh, I'm writing a book. Um, you know, the first time I saw the book with words in it and my name on the cover and I just, it felt really surreal. Like, okay, I put in two years of work and this actually happened. Like I just kept thinking, Mm -hmm. are they going to call one day and say, we changed your mind? Like, are are they really going to publish this book? And so I think the best part for me was the very end, you know, seeing the finished product that was super, um, it was rewarding. It was, I felt really honored and humbled that I had the opportunity. So I think the best part for me came when the book, you know, when I saw my first copy. Mm. And now you're walking into Barnes and Nobles everywhere, signing those <sighs> copies and it's you're so like, fun. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So if you're in the Texas area and you walk into a Barnes and Noble, you may just be able to find a signed copy. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yes, yes. Oh, so good. Well, Jamie, I just, since this is a motherhood podcast and we are always looking for inspiration to just love our kids better and when we know better we do better and everything knowing your story now that you've laid out on in the if you only knew book 
what do you want your kids to know more than anything? Oh, I want them to know more than anything that God is a God of redemption, Mm. um, that he is a God who takes our mess, um, and he uses it, that he is a God who will love us no matter how, how far we've gone. Um, I want them to know that God is true with his word, that he really forgives us and that he really can change our lives and he's really worth following. And, you know, I, I, I've shared with one of my kids parts of my story and, um, it was super hard. Uh, I, I knew it would be, I, I, that was not surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was also actually super freeing for me as well. Um, because I, I don't want my kids, I want my kids to know uh, that, that God's word is true. And so I want them to be able to look at their mom's life and their dad's life and see today that God's working in their life, but also that God uses like messed up, broken people to do really great things for his kingdom. And so I think that um, that is what I want them to know about God. That's beautiful. Jamie, congratulations. If You Only Knew is the book. You can pick it up anywhere books are sold. I have my copy staring at me right now. And it is just the most delightful, empowering, funny at times, heartbreaking at times, but just hopeful read. So thank you thank for, you so for much. sharing. You're so awesome. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Good luck with the rest of your book tour. Thank you. Oh, I just love getting to chat with Jamie about her book today. Again, it's called If You Only Knew. I'm going to have links on ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com where you can buy the book on Amazon. Also include pictures of Jamie and links on how to listen to her The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast as well as where to find her online. She's also on episode 132 of the Extraordinary Moms podcast. So if you want to hear more about her backstory of motherhood, including adopting three of her children, um, and we're gonna, we talk about race and just all kinds of incredible things, you can check that out at episode 132 of this show. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at jessicadalquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. And like I said, our website is extraordinarymomspodcast.com. All right, next week we have a fabulous episode. It is with Beth Allen. Beth Allen is an artist. She's a mom to a whole crew of children, and she is just an extraordinary mom. I know you're going to love getting to know her better on next week's episode, and I hope you are subscribed so that you will not miss that. All right, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week for another episode with another extraordinary mom. Bye.